David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Do you have an idea you need to get off the ground? Are you a small business owner looking to earn supplemental income or replace your current income? Come and join the most amazing mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs live with David Shans himself. That's right. This is not pre-recorded and it's not a replay. This is live every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition to the live calls, you'll also receive a weekly individual Q&A call, a private Facebook community, access to all call replays, and access to David's list of resources and contacts you need to be in an environment of success so head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial that's right just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today themorningmeetup.com and three two one you're listening to the Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Real Social Proof Podcast where we find people who are winning, who have real stuff to talk about, not just post about on Instagram. And uh, we have my friend, my partner, who'll be late for our events. And uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Uh, but always got my back when I'm doing something wrong or I'm connected. Never mind. Let's just. Not, or when let's, you're doing something right. Or when I'm doing something right. But I normally get the text when I'm doing something wrong. Okay? <laughs> Five to one. Okay? David, what are you doing? And I appreciate it. So we have Miss Donnie Wiggins. What's up? Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm blessed. Why haven't you been on the podcast? I don't know, David. I mean, because here's the thing. It's your podcast. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. But and, like and but no, 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 no. Do you handle the scheduling for your podcast? I do. Yeah. So then, why haven't I been on the podcast? That's a really good question because you're like in my my fate five, like T-Mobile. Like you'd be in I my have five. Made it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we got Miss Donnie Wiggins in the building, and uh, I'm excited because uh, we have a, a a similar audience where you're kind of going to a whole another level and leaving us 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 uh, starting entrepreneurs uh, just going. On a whole nother level. But um, introduce yourself to the people so we can like really add some value on this podcast. Absolutely. So I am Donnie Wiggins. You know what? I would so get on one of my clients right now, but I am working through saying that I am a business development coach. Mm-hmm. I am a business development coach, That's but right. I'm so much more than that, right? I'm a strategist. I'm dope. She is dope. I really am dope. And so anyway... For the purpose I hired of- her to, well, my wife, hi- I'm paying for it. Well, my- <laughs> Dre, don't I, let him do you like my that. My wife is, I, my wife wanted to really take her business to the next level. And I said, you need Donnie. I said, you need Donnie. Because I, this is like all jokes aside, she's a better coach than me. Okay? She's way better than me. Uh, I think she might have more patience. She got more like kick you in the butt. And um, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't know where that came from. But yes, I I hired her, so you need to hire her too. Go ahead. Yes. And let me tell you, I plan to post about that on our first session next week. Like, it's such an honor when you have some... First, let me just say this. I'm a business development coach. I'm a business strategist just kind of all the way around. I coach clients for now one-on-one, and I also have an academy uh, for the beginning entrepreneur who is either struggling to come up with a business concept and they need help 
you know, figuring out their lane or for that person who just maybe hadn't made their first six figures yet. And um, it's not necessarily hustling backwards. They're definitely hustling forward, but they don't know how to get to the money. Mm. And so I have an academy that uh, helps with that because I no longer coach um, clients who have to think through what kind of business they're starting anymore. Your girl done graduated past that. Hey, congratulations. And I'm not a better coach than you. I'm a different coach. You're a different coach. Than you. Because I'm pretty dope. Don't get it twisted. I'm awesome. Super dope. But let let me tell you the difference. Shans will not put his foot in your butt. You won't. You're right. Shans is... Sometimes I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Shans is probably one of the nicest, most sincere people I know on the planet, not just in business. And I tell you all the time, I just posted on one of your posts that you posted, I think, yesterday. Your problem is that you're too nice. Mm -hmm. You are too freaking nice. I love it, right? Because it's great to have friends in your circle that are genuinely nice. Um... But we got stuff to talk about off camera. You just—I I know it. I know it. Yo, but here's here's the thing. So my um, I like to let me just give y'all my style of coaching. Okay. Yes, I am super nice, and one of my clients will come up with um a uh, a ridiculous idea. Okay, and I can give my advice, and they'll tell me all the reasons they want to still move forward with the ridiculous idea, and I say, okay, let's do it. If let's you feel that adamant about it, let's let's just go for it, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, I'll let you go that path, and then when you bump your head, you'll come back and say, okay, are you ready to listen to me now? Mm-hmm. And I say it just like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think... And that's you know, a strategy. We should, do it, we should do a program together. It'd be like, good cop, bad cop. First of all, then, hold up, because I just texted you and said, we need to run one of these back. Hmm? Oh, the events we were doing. Well, and it doesn't even have to be an event at this point because of what's going on in the world, right? But we we definitely should run some type of a, a good cop, pro, bad cop. Uh, I'm not the bad cop, though. You're the bad cop. You think so? Oh, yeah. I'm going to hug you and rub your back and feed you tea. I am you incredibly say, nice. Mm. Do you think I'm nice? Yeah. So in how a real Donnie sort of, sort of way. So then how am I the bad cop? You know, I was struggling. You're nice in a dining sort of way. I was struggling with this because someone from your community, I won't say any names, uh, contacted me. And I know you're watching this because you watch everything. Go on, say the name. I'm just No, 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 no. no. Someone from your community um, reached out to me to do a podcast interview. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, 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 no. They want to provide services to me. Mm-hmm. And their services that I actually already have people in place for. Mm -hmm. And so I said, hey, you know, these sound very much like services I already have, but I am happy to have the conversation with you. Mm -hmm. And that person said, okay, great, when? And so this was maybe on a Thursday, Mm -hmm. right? And I said, well, my calendar is completely booked out today through Monday. Let's do Tuesday of next week. Mm -hmm. That person read the message and never responded. And I felt really bad because I think that when you talk to people and tell them in full transparency, this is what I have available, sometimes they think, oh, she's trying to play me 
Or they think, oh, the nerve of her, the audacity of her to have to pencil me in. Like, how dare she can't be available for five minutes? Mm. You know, because I used to think that about people, too. Like, oh, you can't take five minutes out of your time to talk to me about this thing. And because I know how I am and how I'll probably be on the phone and say, ooh, you could make it so much better if you do X. It's not a five-minute conversation yeah. for me. Like, I actually, I'm not. That's not bad. Mm-mm. No, they need to know. I'm, I'll tell them myself. No. I tell me. Tell me real quick. No, because I know what you're going to do. You're going to say, so. No, I'll cut this part out. I'll cut this part out. No. Who was it? Tell me. I'll tell you after. No, just tell me. See, I am not in the business of calling people out like that. So here's the thing. Let me tell you how. um, This is my style of coaching. I will call you out, and I'm going to roast you a little bit so that you get better. Okay? So, for instance. Well, I think she's already great, but because, because she didn't respond back, I think that she was just a little offended by the fact that I said I wouldn't be available for like four or five days. When the truth of the matter is, that's just... How you schedule it? What's, I mean, what's it, it legit right, is. Show me, show me their name. No. Just show it to me real quick. I can't. Don't like, show. month of August, there's something on just about every single day. You out here booked. I'm out you here booked. Busy. Like, is it, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, it's not even that, so... Listen, okay, I'll just... Yo, how, how are they going to get better if they don't know publicly? Yo, so here's the thing. No, 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 so, you don't have to so embarrass Kiana, me. So Kiana, um, Kiana, she like she was like in my first cohort of coaching. And I asked her one time, um, she was like, you know, we figured out she's going to get into social media management or social media oh, marketing. Oh, yeah, I love Kiana. So I say, I'm on the phone, and I say, so tell me something about social media that I don't know already. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, well, you know a lot. Like, you create content. You know a lot about social media. And that's when I became Donnie. I really, I got frustrated. Like, yo, this is what you do. This ain't what I do. Uh-huh. I don't claim to be a social media manager or whatever. This is the lane that you're in. And there's nothing you could tell me that an average social media a social media can that knows about social media. Right. And since that, she's leveled onto a whole other level. But even when it happened, as soon as it happened, I think I was telling people about her. And she appreciated it. Yeah. Well, you were talking to her, not about her. I'm over here just gossiping. Anyway. All right. So tell people what you do and uh, just a little bit of your background. Okay. So I am a business development coach. And um, ultimately, so background, let's start there. I've been a business development coach since 2014. And... Honestly, it's a path that I wake up every single day and I'm, I just express the most gratitude for because I am still like just in awe that I get to do this. Mm. Like for real. Do what? Like coach people on my own terms and build a business helping people accomplish a goal that I feel good about. Mm-hmm. Um, With receipts because your clients got receipts. They got receipts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It didn't always be that way. It was not always that way, though. And, and, and no, in all seriousness, like, this is, this is a good lesson because it's not always that way. And people, when they come and they're trying to build a business, they're like, well, how do I start when I don't have receipts? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have receipts. Mm-hmm. And I started, right? Yeah. And so I just really, you know, now I'm, I'm excited because I've transitioned into the university, which is new this year. And the reason that I did that is because I had to move past people who needed to be pushed to build their business 
or to pursue See, a goal. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not a pusher. I am not a pusher, mm. right? And so my business coaching sessions in the beginning, like back in 2014 when I started, were really more personal development. Mm. And there's still an element of both that's required. You mm. still need the personal development with the business development, but, you know, people would come to the session and I'd say, you know, what did we accomplish from last week to this week? Oh, well, you know, I just had a, I had this going on and that going on and I just couldn't get my head in the game. I can't Mm -hmm. work with those kind of clients Mm -hmm. anymore. I just, I have definitely leveled up past that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, However, I still have a heart. Originally, the reason that I started doing this is because of the heart that I have for people being successful. Mm -hmm. Like I look at people in a room with so much potential, And it saddens me that they're not capitalizing off of it or maximizing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I didn't want to just completely say, oh, you're back and forth. You're on and off the wagon. Forget about you, which is why I created a university. Mm. I don't have to be so Mm hands-on, right? You can either go through my programs and decide to move forward, or you can go through my programs and quit. Mm -hmm. If you decide to move forward, you're going to circle back around and work with me anyway. The facts, the facts. Mm-hmm. And if you quit, I don't, I don't even know about it to take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So when did you, so walk me through your journey of entrepreneurship because like you can still remember where these people are, right? There's some people that are like, so I'm talking about like hundred million dollars. It's hard for you to coach somebody because you may be so far removed but like you've been on every level. Like uh-huh. I, I know some of you know your story, and it's like, wow, you went through some of the things that somebody that's watching this right now went through. Uh-huh. So walk me through your the beginning of entrepreneurship. So I gotta shout Nikki Saunders out right now because she put up a post yesterday mm-hmm. that said, "Don't nobody care about your journey from when you were a teenager." except your core audience. And I was like, a teenager, Nikki, for real? I hate you. But <clears throat> when I was a teenager... Uh, <laughs> no, I like... Yo, this, this story definitely adds content. <laughs> when, when I was a teenager, uh, of course, I did what most people do. And I listened to my parents and I went to college, which college was an amazing time. Shout out Aggie Pride, North Carolina a State University. I went to school for chemical... You was lit in college, wasn't you? Anytime. Shout out, like, because you was, was out here. I was... Dumb lit. Um, I was lit. Ooh, flashback. (laughs) Stay focused. Um, No, seriously, I went to school for chemical engineering. And it's because when I was in the 11th grade, I read this book by my then, like, idol. I had to be her, right? Naomi Campbell. Mm. Naomi Campbell was a supermodel. She was gorgeous. She was smart. She spoke well. And she had a unique look. Right. At that time, her beauty was just it wasn't a standard. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like I looked different. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like, I, you know, I thought people thought I was pretty because I was nice Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel, you know, I got this big old forehead back then. You get clowned, all this stuff. Right. So I wanted to be Naomi Campbell because she represented the girl with the big lips, the big nose, big forehead, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So I thought I was going to be a model. Mm -hmm. She wrote this book called Swan. I bought the book, read the book. And found out that, like me, she loved chemistry, she loved math, and she went to school for chemical engineering. Mm. So now I feel good about being uniquely pretty and smart. Gotcha. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I decided, okay, that is it. 
she is living my life. This is who I'm going to grow up to be. And I went to school for chemical engineering because like her, I wanted my own cosmetics line and fragrance line. Mm-hmm. Well, when I went to school, um, through... Hear back just in case. Am I good? Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) when I went to school uh, and after a number of internships, I realized that my industry would have been male predominant, Mm. white male predominant. And I worked for these companies where men were just, you know, like twice my age or more. And they were just happy to have a woman working in a lab. Like I literally got sexually harassed, not touched or anything Mm. like that. Um, but the comments, you know, that they would make and we go to staff lunches and it was just always the comments when I would take my lab coat off. It's like, ooh, she's bringing the girls out talking about my boobs and mm. stuff like that. Right. And so I just went from internship to internship because it just felt so uncomfortable in that space where I just eventually learned that Naomi Campbell wasn't working in anybody's lab. Mm-hmm. She was white labeling products, meaning buying a product or even working with chemists and putting her name on it. So I said, oh, that's the cheat code. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. So I took the hard hat off and the steel toe boots off and I decided that entrepreneurship would be my thing. Mm-hmm. But I still have my parents to answer to because they still think that I'm going to be a chemical engineer. Mm-hmm. How, how far in this journey of becoming a chemical engineer did, you, did it change? Like, I was a junior. Mm, so three years in this path. Mm-hmm. So you, okay. So a few other things had happened personally, but this just solidified the decision. Give me one of the personal right? things. Um, my ex-boyfriend at that time literally tried to take my life. And so um, that coupled with, uh-oh, that coupled with the fact that I didn't really have a true desire to be an engineer, you know, because in the beginning he would- Hold on, hold on, hold on. How did he almost take it? Like literally or figuratively? Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally. He, can you tell me a story? Bang, bang. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. It's not funny at all, but- Like, like Tory Lane's Meg Thee Stallion vibe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell so, me the story. What happened? Uh, Come on, so people, people, like, they need this part of the story because there's people going through some real bad stuff. So in college, I was in um, a relationship that I thought was my future, mm-hmm. like my destiny, right? Great guy, super cute and all this good stuff. And um, we broke up. And when we broke up... You broke up with him or he broke up with you? I broke up with him. Why? Um, college creeping? Cheating. Yeah, you know, dumb stuff. But we broke up. And not only that, um, I'm skipping some parts of the story, but my high school, uh, my last high school boyfriend died in a car accident. Mm. And for me, I was just really never the same after that because we were still really, really close. And my then boyfriend in college, the guy that I'm talking about, couldn't understand and accept that. And he became just like really verbally disrespectful. Like, why are you crying over this? Yada, 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 yada. You know, and, and it hurt me because I'm thinking I should be able to talk to you about this and I get it, but he's gone. Right. So this was, so I was already feeling disconnected. And anyway, ultimately, um, he cheated and we broke up and it was okay for a minute, but then he began to stalk me. Like, you know, I want you back kind of thing. Mm. And, um, I was involved in a car accident that 
I told my, my vehicle was totaled on campus. And to this day, the well, not to this day, but to this day, I still believe it. And the insurance investigators at that time felt like my brakes had been tampered with. Mm. So my mom wanted me to come home and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not letting him. You know, I'm, I was still strong and feisty back then. And so then it escalated to the point where once my car was totaled, um, I had to start riding to school with one of my neighbors. I lived off campus and the neighbor was a guy and that ex-boyfriend just wasn't receiving this well. I guess he thought maybe we were messing around or whatever. And he would run up on me on campus and like snatch me up. At first it started, you know, like the snatch up. Then it was the snatch up and the drag and throw in the car, you know, and then other people would have to come and save me. And I mean, he literally had an altercation with the football team who came out to, like, save me because he ran up on me in front of the Mm. football dorm. And then one day there was the uh, coming out of all the the fraternities, and um, he got dealt with by, I think it was the alphas at that time, and he he just wouldn't stop. Like, he would start running up on me. And so one night he kidnapped me. That's what it's legally called. He snatched me up and drug me in his car, and um, parked in some parking lot. I don't remember where we were. And he's like, you're not going to get out until, you know, you talk to me and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not doing any of these things. It's done. It's over. And he literally held me in that car. He had the child lock on. I couldn't get out. He held me in that car, punching me. He was biting me in my face, biting me on my arms because I refused. Like I wouldn't break. I just told him, like, you're going to have to kill me. That's what's mm. going to have to happen. Like, I'm not that one. I'm not the one. You will have to end my life in order for me to tell you what you want to hear. Mm. And so hours of that went by. A couple of hours of that went by. And someone drove into the parking lot and it startled him. And I was able to reach over and undo the child lock. And I took off and I ran. Call my mom. I'm crying. And my dad and a couple of my uncles came Um like a day or so later, to see about him. Mm. Couldn't be found. It, you know, and at that point, they're begging me and begging me, you need to come home. I'm still not coming home. Like, I still don't, I'm not leaving. Like, mm. he's not going to be the end-all, be-all for my future. So my dad bought me a gun. Mm. And he's like, well, if you're going to stay, you're going to stay with this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yep! <laughs> you still packed? You What's up? To this day? Are you- Still got Come it on, on now. I stay, <laughs> stay with it. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Let's just say I, um, I'm always ready. Yeah. Okay. And so, anyway, so some time had gone by, and um, my roommate at the time was like visiting her grandmother. We lived in an apartment, and I'm laying in the bed, and I get up to take a shower like three o'clock in the morning. And as soon as I opened the bathroom door, the glass of my apartment, of my bedroom window just shattered everywhere. And I'm like, yo, what is going on here? And I just see the glass, you know, shatter. And he had thrown like a brick or something. But I didn't know what was going on. I'm just like, what's going on? So I'm like tiptoeing over to the window to look. And he starts shooting. As soon as he sees me, 
And this was like hours of, you know, I had the broom and I'm beating on the ceiling above me trying to get my neighbor's attention. But this happened on like the weekend and everybody's at the club, they're partying. And it was just a whole big ordeal. And um, yeah, so that was the night he was intentional and thought, you know, he would take my life. So someone eventually was able to call the police. Like every time I moved in my apartment, I was on the second or third floor. I think the third floor. Every time I moved, like he was coming around and he, I'm going to kill you, B, calling me the B word. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Tonight's going to be it. You know, I remember running to the door and looking out the peephole, trying to get out. I cracked the door open and he's out there. So I slammed it closed real quick. And that night, Shans, I wrote my mom a letter. So my grandmother passed three months before I was born, and she left um, my mom a Bible. And my mom gave me the Bible. And I was prepared at that moment to fight. So I wrapped my ankles in ace bandages and wrapped my knees in ace bandages. I don't even know why I had these ace bandages. Right. But I did. (laughs) The ace bandage is going to help you fight better? (laughs) No, I was going to jump out of the window. Oh, gotcha. I was going to jump. And so I knew that if something happened to me, my mom would come looking for her grandmother's Bible. And so I, you know, I'm in the dark in the corner and um, I'm like writing, you know, real fast. And I'm like, Ma, I'm so sorry. I know you've been urging me to come home. I am so sorry, but just know if you're finding this, the worst did happen, but I absolutely fought, right? Wow. And I wrote that and I was ready to get out of that window when the police arrived. They didn't arrive to my place. I guess someone called and said they heard gunshots and they drove through the community. And next thing I know, I heard his car. He had a really loud, like, done-up Honda or something at the time. And um, I heard his car peel off. Mm. Um, And, you know, a couple... I don't even remember what happened and why I couldn't call the police myself, but I couldn't access my phone. And I personally think that he did something. I don't know. But a couple hours later, you know, my neighbors, I hear them coming home from the party and I'm like, I need to, I need to call, I need to call, I need to use your phone. I need to call my parents. And I call my mom and my dad. And that was a wrap on college. Wow. Yeah, that was a wrap. And, and and honestly, it wasn't even a wrap on college because I thought, I'm just going to have him arrested and this, that, and the other, and I'm going back to school to do what I do. But then I learned, you know, I had an internship that I was going to, and at that time I was feeling the way that I was feeling about the internship too. And I said, well, I'm just going to transfer from North Carolina a to Clark. And when I got to Clark, no offense to Clark, uh, it was so many people from my high school. Because mm-hmm. you're from the A. I'm, I was raised in the A, yeah. And there was so many people from my high school here at Clark that I just didn't feel like it was a step up. I didn't feel like it was different. I felt like I was in high school all over again. You feel like if that situation ever happened, you'd probably still be on that path to becoming a... No, I would still be an entrepreneur. I feel like if that didn't happen, I may have suffered through and gotten my degree. And I say suffered through because... What everybody else got from college, I, I wasn't getting, mm. right? Everybody else was like wanting to pledge sororities. Try me if you want to. <laughs> Ain't no hazing going on. Ain't right. no hazing going on over here. I will <laughs> slaughter you. Right. Um, so, no, I, I love my girls. So if y'all ever see this, like, I love y'all. And I'm so grateful for the memories. But for me... Um, I dealt with, you know, losing two people that I love very much. I had that relationship. So for me, 
college was a mixture of fun and trauma. And it just wasn't giving me what I wanted. However, I started my first legit business in college with my roommate. So tell us about this this entrepreneurial college, Donnie. Um, So I started my first business. So my roommate, hey, Misha, we... uh, her cousin or someone had a cleaning company mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we thought we were going to work for his cleaning company and, you know, get the, he had these extra commercial buildings that he needed to have cleaned and all of this stuff. And, you know, me being me, I'm like, Shh, I'm just do this myself. What? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so you we started working for him. We did like a property or two. And then I quickly learned I'm not cleaning toilets. Like I had, I had conditions. <laughs> You've been boozy. I've been bougie. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, I had conditions, and I, you know, I'm not cleaning the toilets. I'm not touching nothing in the bathroom. And I was just like the girl who I think I had the duster in the vacuum. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got, right? And so then I quickly realized, you know what? We could get more contracts, but we need more people. Mm. And so we started a little cleaning business. Mm. Um, that didn't last long. It just didn't. That was the first crack at entrepreneurship. Legitimately, that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may hear me say something different. I, I really do have all my life had a bad memory, but that I can actually remember, that was my first crack at entrepreneurship. I don't know if I was, I know that in high school, I was in like the FBLA, Future Business of uh, Leaders of America. I was mm-hmm. president of all these clubs, but I can't remember if I actually started a business gotcha. um, in high school. But I do know that in college I did, and I think I was like 17, 18 years old. Gotcha. And so that was the first crack. And then the journey moved on and through industry after industry. I don't want to go through all of those mm. industries. It's just too much, yeah. Chance. I've done a lot. If you name it and it's legal, your girl did it, period. <laughs> like you, one thing about me, that, I ain't though? ever scared. How do you develop that? Because that's hard to teach. Yeah. So I think it was in me. Um, and so here's the thing. I'm like you, Right. There used to be a time where I cared tremendously what people thought about me. And it wasn't what they thought about me like Donnie's stuck up or she's cute or she's not cute or she's not. I didn't care about that. I thought about I cared about what they thought about what I stood for and my my passes or fails. I was afraid to fail in front of people. I was afraid to fail in front of the public, Mm. right? So not afraid to fail, just afraid of failing in front of somebody. Yeah, Yeah. afraid of failing in front of somebody. So what I would do is have these ideas and I would attempt to execute them privately. Mm. Because if it's a win, then I'm going to tell y'all. But if it's not a win, (laughs) nobody has to know. Right. Um, And so honestly, I think I got that from my mom. Mm. Mom, if you see this, like, it's all love and respect. But I think I got that from my mom, and I'll tell you why. So my mom is a tremendous wealth of knowledge, right? And growing up... What does your mom do? My mom does counseling for veterans right now. Um, Growing up, though, my mom was very entrepreneurial. And, you know, I'm 41 years old. So when I was, you know, of age, computers were really just a thing, and... All this good stuff, like actual, only big companies use them, but household computers were really becoming a thing. Mm. 
And my mom, you know, knew how to use those computers like nobody's business. And she started this business, you know, teaching computer programming and all kinds of other stuff. And it was like, wow. And then, you know, that worked for a while until it didn't. And then she went and got like a, a cosmetology license and she was doing nails and that was really good. But she didn't like the smell of that. Mm. Um, and then she, you know, got her real estate license and that was amazing until the market crashed. But I say that to say I watched my mom be very entrepreneurial growing up, just trying thing after thing after thing. And my dad, who was really um, corporate, you know, mm. he's going to keep a job. He's got the family's taken care of. Mm. We've got benefits. And he was amazing, you know, in, in his in his uh, roles. But my mom has always been the, now don't tell anybody, this is just us. This remains in this household. I'm going to build this thing. Right. This is in here. Don't tell anybody what mm. you don't tell anybody wow. what you're doing. And da, 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 da. You don't tell, you don't tell, you don't tell. Gee. And so I grew up like, Okay, you don't tell anybody that you're building this business, but wait, damn, if I don't tell anybody, who's going to buy it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. You know, right? You know what's so interesting, too? And this might be motivation for somebody who is afraid. I think the extra pressure is your children are watching you. Whether you're one of the people to say, yo, I'm going to start this, or I'm going to start that, and I'm going to start this. And your children, they grow up to be the people to say, you know what, I'm going to start this. But mm-hmm. they don't actually start it. And they say, you know what, I'm going to start this. Or your children see the inconsistency Mm -hmm. and they grow up and adopt that. So Mm -hmm. your mom's, I guess, fear of public ridicule. Maybe. Got inherited. Like you inherited that. Mm -hmm. I did. I inherited it, but I learned very early on and I still may have it just like you have a fear of rejection. Um, I don't know that it's a fear of rejection that I have because shit. With what I do, I'm rejected all the time, <laughs> right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> but it's even people rejecting my advice who have hired me and reject the advice, right? Yes, so yeah. we're we're rejected all the time. But I think I have. Let me see. Maybe it's a fear of. I don't know. I don't know how mm. to classify it because I literally am never scared to try, mm. right? And I am the type of person now where if I try something and it doesn't work, you just won't hear me talk about it again. Like, I'm not in bad. I don't care what you think about something. Like, I feel like I was brave enough to go for it. What you doing? But judging me, Mm -hmm. right? Um, However, my friends who are more successful than me or as successful than me, I do care what you guys think, right? I don't want you guys thinking that, um, or I don't want to ever perform and give you a reason to believe that, I don't execute in excellence, yeah. right? And so that's something that I always uh, work on. But I got my entrepreneurial spirit really from my mom, who to this day, I'm always like, Ma, you should be doing something different. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be doing something else. And she just loves what she does with her, um, you know, at clients at the VA. But Why are you, why are you air quoter? Well, because I don't know if she calls them clients mm-hmm. or I don't know what she calls them. Gotcha. Um, but I'm going to call them clients. She really loves what she does. You know, she's a coach, too. And mm. she literally helps save people's lives, like mm. people who are coming back with PTSD and can't function again in society and community and suicidal. Like, she literally is changing lives. Awesome. But I feel like she could be doing that for herself. And it's it would mean to, more. But it's hard to get coached from people that's close to you. That's why oh, my absolutely. wife needs to coach with you. She mm-hmm. don't listen to me. Mm-mm. You know, and if I give her some advice, she get mad at me for giving her advice, especially if she, if I say it with the wrong tone. Well, because from so. you, it's not advice. From you, it's judgment. Uh, 
<laughs> and I do have a judging tone. Like when I say stuff, yeah, you're right. You're From you, right. it's judgment. And not only that, you know her on an intimate and spiritual level, mm-hmm. right? I don't. And so everything that I will advise her on will be based on data and execution. Yeah. That's it. I don't get into the feelings and the emotions. And But you guys just had a major, you know, and I'm not saying that you did, but I'm saying in spouse to spouse. And when people aren't listening to you, you got to remember that just two weeks ago, y'all had a major blowout. <laughs> y'all might have said some real nasty things. Both of y'all are walking around acting super immature, not speaking to each other. And do, so you want me to take advice? Did she tell you you want me to take life did, advice did she, from you? Did she, she tell did. You? Tell me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dre. Uh, she told me, she told me we were walking around and I'm slamming doors. He's slamming doors. We're walking right past each other. I didn't even I see didn't him. I didn't slam any doors because I don't slam. She's the door slammer in our house. Well, okay. she didn't see you for like two days. She saw you. You were there, but she did not see you. You oh, were yeah, super sure. invisible. Sure. Um, but, but you know, that's, that's what we go through. Your friends mm-hmm. won't take advice from you. Your friends won't take advice from you until they will. Mm, that's a bar. That's a bar. That's mm-hmm. a bar. And it's because... Y'all have been doing the same dirt mm-hmm. together. Y'all have talked about the same number of ideas about how big you got to do it and did nothing mm-hmm. together. Y'all have argued. Y'all have judged. Y'all have gossiped. Oh, and now you want to come out mm. being business leader of America to me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. My best, my best friend in the whole world, shouts out to Brandon, um, this surprised me. Like last year, he, um, he said, yo, I want to take you out to dinner. And ask for he don't do that. Brandon Dixon? No, Brandon Abraham. Oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my friend I grew up with. Like I'm talking about, he's the friend. He don't normally buy clothes from me. He'll just come to the house and just grab a shirt. You know what I'm saying? He's one <laughs> no of those money friends. involved. No money. Hey, well, y'all, I'll pay you back. Don't worry about it. And gotcha. I, I I love him. So um make sure y'all get to a level of your friends where you don't need your friends to be your cu- I don't need my friend to be my customer. I need mm. my friend to be my friend. Don't listen to that, Bree. <laughs> My best. Friend. Okay, yeah, just, just we'll talk yeah. about that. Yeah, it's different. Don't listen but, to um, that. Yeah, but he came to me like, "Yo, I want to, you know, I want to take you to dinner," and I was like, "Yo, super impressive," because like you said, your friends won't listen. We've been through some. Oh man, he's seen me at my worst, and for him to say, "Yo, I respect you as a businessman now," and my friends are just now starting to like say, "Yo, I need some advice in this entertainment." So mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. move forward to where I met you in your uh, your. Um, uh, MLM journey days. Hey. Okay. And hey. shouts out to multi-level marketing. I've probably learned more about business and personal development than any other period of my life. So I think it's one of the hardest, it's, it's one of the hardest things to build, not for the product or service, but you have to approach the people that you know mm-hmm. and like recruiting. And then if you leave that company, you got to go to another company after you just told everybody you're going to make a million dollars in this, this company. Was it. Jeez. So how did you find yourself into multi-level marketing? Um, I don't have to tell the story, but I got involved in network marketing, right? Is that good enough? No. Okay. So I was, this is after I owned some clothing stores and all of this stuff, and I still also had a job. Um, I was working at a property management company where I worked, you know, in the leasing office at this luxury apartment community yep. place I could never, aff- well, <laughs> I couldn't then afford. <laughs> 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 
Things have changed. I mean, you know, tr- natural progression of life. <laughs> um, I worked at this apartment community, and there was this woman there, Lisa. Hey, girl. We're still friends to this day. Um, but Lisa was really big in her company at the time. And I'll never forget, uh, uh, two things happened. One, she was getting her recognition. She, she got the bins mm. from her company. And so I will never forget, she came into the leasing office and she's like, hey guys, I'm being awarded my Mercedes Benz from my company. We're going to film this lifestyle video and I've got some packages back there. I need you guys to bring me my packages on camera. Mm. Who? <laughs> Who's going to be, here you go, ma'am, Butler S. Not Dottie Wiggins. On camera. <laughs> Lisa! <laughs> so someone else in the office did do it, but... I was just so, she, you know, the camera crew comes in, they're filming her, and she's got this brand new spanking Benz outside, and I'm like, Jesus, what does she do? Like, and she would always come into the the management office and ask my coworker, another woman my age, she would always say to her, girl, you need to be in my business, you need to let me recruit you, I could help you do X, Y, and Z, but she would never, ever ask me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? Like... (laughs) Why wouldn't she ask me? So one day, um, I had this magazine on my desk, and it was a success from Home Magazine. And there was a gentleman on the cover of that magazine that I was dating at that time. And I didn't know much about what this gentleman did because we met on Facebook through a mutual friend. And, you know, we would visit and we'd have a good time. All I knew was that he was this online entrepreneur who did well for himself, right? I didn't know the extent of it. So one day, you know, he had sent me this magazine and I had it on the end of my desk with the intent to read it. And Lisa came into my office and she's like, you know him? And I was like, yeah, I date him. And she's like, what? Wow. What? And are you, are you in his business? And I'm like, not like that. I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> because I didn't really know what, you know, I'd heard of Mary Kay and Amway, but I didn't know what network marketing was mm-hmm. like for real. And so she's like, girl, if you're dating this kind of man, then you need to be that kind of man likes a woman who, you know, is into what he's into. You need to call him today and tell him that you need to be in this business and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So I called him and I'm like, are you this guy that she speaks of? And he just busted out laughing. (laughs) And, um, and yes, so he was. And so we talked about, um, we talked about business and I was really skeptical for a minute. But what happened was I went to my best friend and I was like, girl, did you know such and such and such? Did such and such and such and earned such and such and such? And she's like, yo, put me on. Mm. And I'm like, nope. You know, I don't make those kind of connections. She's like, listen, if you don't want to do it, I want to do it. So one day I took my lunch break and we had these model, these guest apartments. I went into the guest apartment on my lunch break, put them on a three-way call, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm listening, and they're talking and all this stuff. And at that time, he's like, well, I typically don't bring someone on who has no experience, but because you are Donnie's friend, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll do it as a favor for her. And the time went out on my lunch break, and I remember having to go back into my office and put my phone in my desk because I wasn't allowed to take calls. Mm. And it just made me feel some kind of way. That was like the first time I wanted to be on a call and couldn't be on a call. Mm. And I'm like, I'm a whole grown woman. <laughs> you got to put your phone away. And I'm in, the, I'm in my <laughs> office like, 
y'all still there? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so eventually, you know, my best friend is like, look, I'm doing this and I need you to do this with me. And because of her, I did. Like, because of her, I did. And it was supposed to be something that we were supposed to, like, knock out of the park together. But I'm like, look, don't tell my mom I'm, I'm doing this, like, pyramid scheme stuff and don't tell nobody else i was afraid to tell i didn't i didn't build my business telling people that i knew she was the only one that i knew i'm not inviting y'all to this because i'm not even sure what this is like it feels a little cultish (laughs) (laughs) people praising people for being successful i'm not used to that you Mm -hmm. know where i come from people you know and so um i just put a, a post on facebook literally one day that said something like wow I just started a business. Like, I literally have been allowed to start a business in one of the number one industries in the world, Mm -hmm. selling the number one beverage at that time in the world, coffee. Anybody can really access success. That's all I said. People just all over the post. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And that's, you know, what made it real for me. Mm. And how long were you in the industry of network marketing? Honestly, maybe different companies, but mm-hmm. how long were you in the industry? Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was in longer. Oh, I'm sorry. 2012. I'm thinking 2014 when I started my coaching business. Mm. Uh, six years. Six years. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. So you, you, you've done well in that industry, just having that taste of entrepreneurship. And when did you get out and say, yo, I don't want to build another company before uh, again? So network marketing like any sales business, honestly, will expose you. It will expose you to you. What do you mean? Meaning, basically, you eat what you kill, mm-hmm. right? And if you find yourself hungry, that's because you weren't hunting. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. And so people think that entrepreneurship, first of all, in my opinion, no knock to MLM because MLM changed my life. Sure. I still recommend it for a certain person of a certain age who has a certain journey. But MLM is not really entrepreneurial. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. and it, It will improve efficiency and cut costs. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash socialproof. That's netsuite.com slash socialproof. netsuite.com slash socialproof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Hey, y'all, I ain't gonna lie, man. They sent me this Yuffie lock. Think about being on a couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school, and they need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Yuffie lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry. So it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. Listen, you put your fingerprint on there, you don't have, even if you got you got your bags, you put one finger out there, boop, you get to unlock your door that way. No battery anxiety. You don't have to worry about the battery dying. Quick charging, it's incredible. Also, passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Eufy is on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay, listen, you need this Eufy lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, Eufy, E-U-F-Y dot com. I just ordered mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, 
It's, it's, it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. Search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash Video Lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door, incredible. Okay, so search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash Video Lock. Entrepreneurship. And for years, I thought it was until I started to move up the food chain and I realized that everything could be taken away from you because it was for me. Mm. Right? Mm. All my money gone on somebody else's call. And there's nothing I can do. There's nobody I can sue. There's no, you know, union to go and complain to. So you build this business, you recruit tens of thousands of people. If you don't do what they're asking you to do, they take it all away. Essentially, yes, that's a high possibility. Um, (laughs) I wish I recruited tens of thousands of people. (laughs) But but an organization, you've seen stories like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as a company, we did that. But me personally, no. And so, you know, I was feeling myself in my first company. I was really learning. But because there was this element of personal relationship there and, um, you know, at that time, the people Mm -hmm. in that company weren't as nice to me. Because of that, especially the women, um, and everybody kind of made me feel like if I became successful in that company, it would be because of who I was dating. And oh, so man. I left that company. Oh. Like, I've just always had this girl power thing. So oh. I left that company and I went to another company. Oh. But what I did not leave behind were the lessons, yeah. the mentorship. In fact, I was still plugged into their mentorship. I went to another company and I started doing really well. And um, then politics happened and then, you know... My role in that company started to fall apart. I wasn't the one who was going to sit around and deal with the politics yeah. of, you know, all that stuff. So I left and I went to another company and then things happened at that company. And I'm like, you know what? Every single time, every single time I have to make a transition, I have one of two people, people who are either going to come with me or people who are going to be happy and stay. Mm. But you can't control any of it. And I can't control any of it. That's not entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. Um, when someone else still has the ability to pull the chain and completely take you out of business, you are not in control of your business. Um, and so that started to really, I started to see, you know, I'm sitting in these meetings and they're saying, be an entrepreneur, but I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I'm like, that's not very boss like. Right. Right, right. (laughs) So I started to create an exit strategy and I went to one last company um, to work with my homegirl, you know, I had never had a female mentor before in the industry. So I went to one last company to work for her, to work with her and allow her to mentor me, you know, through the stuff, but the politics were just still there. I could never get my groove. I didn't really feel good about what I was doing because at that point it was just a money thing for me and it wasn't value before it was always value before it was always, how can I impact a large number of people? But this time it was like, I'll do another project. It's about the money. And unfortunately, I didn't have the success there because that showed, right? It's just it's just about the money because that company ran differently. And I just said, I can't, never again. What I was doing was I had taken, I had, because of, in my second company in travel, uh, because of the travel company, I had built this massive influence where tens of thousands of people were inspired 
by me or got value from me because I was speaking on the stages and I was hosting the conferences and all this stuff. And I started to see my influence from all that started to dwindle down and further and filter and filter and filter until like, hold up, you got to do something big at this point Mm -hmm. before you lose it all. Right. And um, I decided to 100% go into entrepreneurship since 2014. I've been totally self-employed. Even though I was in network marketing, I was still also building my coaching business and things like that at that time. And but it was and, and speaking yeah. and doing all those things, but those were kind of like in the background. Yeah. Network marketing was like the main thing, but I was always building because I always knew. I never some people want to be network marketers all their lives. Mm-hmm. That's hard work. I mean, it's it's legit hard work, and I I didn't I knew that I didn't want mm-hmm. that. Um, I knew that I wanted something a little bit more laid back that would pay me handsomely. And so I started the coaching business and speaking and writing books. And then in 2017-ish, I said, no more. This is it. Full-time entrepreneurship. And it's hard. People come to me to this day with like projects and I'm like, ooh, that comp plan. That sounds good. (laughs) But no, I can't. No, I'm I'm, going to stay focused on this. And staying focused. Has has blessed me you tremendously. Position, though? You know, sometimes you get a little. I don't a little get a position. You like to do that. I get me a little spot on the love. Yeah. What has it done? You never know what it could do. But what has it done? Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> but I like I'm I'm that type of person. I'm I'm willing I'm willing to throw. See, it here's the thing about that. Know. The position sounds good, right? Oh, let me give you my top position. And you're able to log in, and you're able to see all these people who have fallen mm-hmm. under you because of positioning, but. If you still don't bring something to the table, you're never going to benefit from that position. You still got to go out and, you know, if it's binary, you still got to go out and build this other leg or you still got, you still have to work for it. Right. So it's, I never get tricked into the positioning anymore. Let me not say that. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. I never take advantage of um, the positioning anymore because unless you're going to go back and build it. That's real. That's real. All right. So being this, uh, you, you've been through all aspects of entrepreneurship, starting since college, then MLM, which you learn how to build a business, how you're doing it on your own. Focusing on, I want to focus on the beginning entrepreneur right now, okay? Because you and I both, we run across a lot of people that are in that stage. And that's my lane. Like, I, I feel like I'm the best in the world at helping someone start. Let's get something going. Let's get a couple thousand dollars a month going. But there are a lot of people that's watching this that are in that position. What are the things that you you come across that are the patterns amongst all these people who have an idea, but they, they, they either don't execute or they, they just think they want to be an entrepreneur? What are some of the things, what are the things that you see over and over and over again at people that... That don't actually do anything? Um, <clears throat> lack of belief would be the number one thing. Uh, you ever heard that saying that says, you be doing a whole lot of talking, but do you actually believe what you're saying? Mm. <laughs> mm. That's huge. That's real. That's Yeah. And, and it proves itself. It reveals itself in their actions. Like, mm. really? You want this that bad? Yeah. You do. You're telling me that you want this that bad. Tell me in the last 90 days what you've done to get it on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I've just been looking for the right time you know i had you know i work been keeping me so bit but well, how do we build that belief 
Because someone knows they don't believe what they say. And this is how I check people for sure. When you say you believe you're going to do this, we need some consequences if you don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make $1,000 this week. If you don't, what's the consequences? And that's when people scale back and say, well, I don't know. I'm like, all right, bet. How much are you willing to bet that you are going to make $1,000 this week? And I need to see it in the Shopify. Mm-hmm. Let's bet 500 on it. You do it, I give you 500. If you don't, you got to give me 500. They're like, uh, I don't know if I can do that. You don't believe. Mm-hmm. You don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do we develop that belief system? So this is why I got out of the personal development space. Because it depends. It's different for everyone. Some people may take a challenge like what you put on the table and that's all they needed. While some other people... Some people need to see therapists. You know, some people need, um, some people are dealing with, with mental trauma or mindset exposure that's beyond their lack of belief in being a, a successful entrepreneur. So you have to assess people for where they are, you know, at that time. Sometimes a challenge. Sometimes I'm like, you need to really probably see a therapist. I have several clients that I work in tandem with their therapist mm. um, because I'm, I'm not a medical professional. And so, you know, you do that and I got you on this end. So what's the, like, at what line do we cross from, okay, this is trauma that you're really dealing with or you're using that as an excuse? Because you've been through trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the situation where your, your boyfriend tried to kill you. And I'm sure through this journey, you've been through so many traumatic situations. At what point does it become an excuse? And is it just based on how the person deals with it themselves? I think it's always an excuse. Regardless, whether you need therapy or not, your desire to not address it then turns it into an excuse. Or your inability to address it or... Your choice not to address it, it, it turns it into an excuse. So I think anytime, anytime you have a desire to achieve a goal, but you allow something in the back of your mind to prevent you from doing that, unfortunately, is an excuse across the board anytime. Now, how we address these excuses is what matters, right? So some sometimes people just need to be called out on their stuff. Yeah. Sometimes people need therapy. Sometimes people need challenge. Sometimes people just need to change their environment. Mm. That's how we deal with now transitioning from an excuse to a reason. Mm. And how do you assess all that? I just know people, right? Yeah. And so to be clear, um, I'm not any type of a certified, licensed, you know, medical medical person. But I really just get to the bottom of, of talking to people where they are. So you, you'll look at people and you'll hear them. You'll listen to their tonality. You'll watch their body language. You know, are they, cry, are they crying? Well, what's causing the tears? Tell me what's causing the tears. Yeah. Is it because you're feeling down on yourself or is this because it's something that you're really, really struggling to talk about, right? Yeah. Um, people will tell you exactly where they are. And you can flat out ask. Let me ask you a question. So... You're dealing with the situation where you were in an abusive relationship. Is this torturing you in any other areas of your life? Or is it just keeping you from being an entrepreneur? Wow. So in the event that it's not, it's not, it's not traumatizing you in other areas, it's just when it comes to business, that's mm-hmm. an excuse. Absolutely. And it could be traumatizing you in other areas too and still be an excuse, right? There's this story that's floating around on the internet about the two brothers who had a father who was an alcoholic and and abusive. And one brother 
went on to be incredibly successful and living a dream worthy lifestyle. And the other one became, and, and he said it was because of his father. Because I saw my father be abusive and an alcoholic, I went out to do something with my life. And then the other brother became an abusive alcoholic. And they asked him why. And he said, well, I grew up seeing my father do it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Same experiences. Totally Same experience, outcomes. totally different outcomes. Because one person chose to use it as a reason, the other person chose to use it as an excuse. Oh, that's good. And that is going to help somebody. I'm telling you, it's, 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 uh, it, 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 it's taken me to a whole nother level in terms of there's so much behind what mm-hmm. people are saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some people are super proud, but there's sometimes, there's a lot behind why you're so aggressive or why you're so friendly. Yeah. Right? I've seen people like they're, they're extra friendly because they're depressed. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they're, they're like they're doing the most to try to hide it. So um, I want to do some entrepreneurial lightning rounds. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to give you a business. No. Idea. I'm not good and on I the just, spot like I, I am. Yes, you are. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give you a business, uh-huh. and I want to know how you'd approach it, okay? So I'm your client right now, okay? Donnie, I am a 35-year-old man. I want to own my Are own you 35? Hair. Yeah, I'm 35. Okay. At the time of this recording. I am a 35-year-old man, and I want to open a hair salon. Now, I don't know how to do hair, but I think it's a great business idea. Uh-huh. Coach me. Go and find you some hairstylists, right? So what do you know about business? You see this as a great opportunity. Tell me why, number one. Why do you see it as a great opportunity? So we'll get to the bottom of that. Okay. I think it's a great opportunity because all women need their hair done. Okay. Why would they come and get it done at your salon? How do you plan to stand out in the marketplace? You don't even know how to do hair. Because I stand out. I mean, everything I do, it's just, it just touch, it, like everything I touch, it just turns to gold. All my friends come to me for advice. And I just feel like, it's, I know a bunch of women, I know okay. a bunch of women, and I feel like it'll be a good business. I mean, that's a good start. Tell me a little bit more about the things that you've done that's turned to gold. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I still work my job, but like, I'm like the best salesman there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Have you had any business experience ever? Kind of. At my job, it's kind of like I'm running my own business because I got to get my own clients to come in and buy products and come back. So, Do you pay for any of the overhead? What's that? (laughs) 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 Ah, This is eerily familiar to a conversation that I had. Mm -hmm. Overhead, what is that? All right, I'm starting a T-shirt brand. I don't have an idea. What should I get into? But I know I want to do T-shirts. Okay. What should I do? Um, do you see any t-shirt lines that you admire? Sleep is for suckers on sleepisforsuckers.com. They're pretty cool. Okay. You can go to sleep is for suckers with a floor, suckers.com. They got all kinds of t-shirts. I've I really admire those. that brand. I've seen that brand mm-hmm. and I wear that brand religiously actually. And I think it's really amazing. If you go to sleepisforsuckers.com. <laughs> I'm going to have to put the little joint below. Yes. I, <laughs> I like that brand. No, so what I would what I would suggest if you you know t shirt business is really simple. This is something that you can do from home. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would suggest that you do is find three brands 
that you admire, right? Mm. Three brands that you would like to maybe even model yourself behind mm. and use it as an inspiration. And then what I want you to do, I want you to follow those accounts. I want you to write those accounts down. I want you to do as much research as you can, right? Mm. Find out um, what shirts are selling the most. Find out what kind of people are buying these shirts and identify the price points. And then I want you to come back after you do that research in a couple of days and let's talk about it. Then we're going to talk about what it costs to actually pull this off. Mm. Dang, you come up with all that in 30 seconds? Last one. This is my favorite. I'm going to be a motivational speaker, okay, and a life coach because everybody comes to me for advice, and I got a powerful message. Actually, look at my video. Check this video out I just did. Hold on. I did it. It was two weeks ago. Hold on. Let me show you this video. This video is dope. Mm-hmm. I noticed you didn't have any video, any views on the video. <laughs> I noticed there's 14 views on that joint. Who, who were the people who told you it was dope? Yeah, I mean everybody. All 14 people. I mean, like, not, nah, not. Nah, okay, so you don't understand. So I got friends that I give advice to, and like when I'm on, when I'm on stage, I don't get to speak that much. But when I do my lives, like they be, they be loving it. Okay, so when you say motivational speaking. Is it that you're coming to me because you want to get more motivational speaking opportunities or are you trying to fine tune your message? I want to build a career and build my brand so I can be on stage like you at Megafest and these big stages you on. Like, I just want to, I want to get my message out there. Right. So honestly, if you're, if you're looking at me kind of as a model, um, the first thing you would need to know is that I didn't build a brand to be a motivational speaker. Mm. I built the brand and because of the brand, I was given opportunities to speak as a motivational You're speaker. Good, Donnie. You're <laughs> good. Come on, say it louder. Come right? on, give me more. No, me more, seriously. So people want to speak. They want to speak and they want to write books and they just want to just kind of pull it out of thin air, especially when you're writing about something purposeful, right? So if you were writing like a novel and it was a love story, then you probably already have the experience you want to write about or talk about. But when you say that you want to motivate people, um, number one, David, what you'd have to understand is that Taking on the responsibility of empowering and motivating people is something that becomes a life transition, mm -hmm. right? You sleep this, you breathe this, you eat this. So you first have to be ready for the responsibility of what being a motivator actually means because you don't get to just stand on that stage and motivate and then you're off the stage and you're back to yourself, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so what I would encourage you to do first is to think about the direction of the type of people that you want to work with and then what, what value can you provide to these people offstage, mm -hmm. right? And let's start to package up your offstage value. And then once we package up that offstage value, let's go out and make sure that you can prove that concept. Let's go out and try to impact some people, mm -hmm. right? Can you prove that you actually motivate? Mm -hmm. And so then I want you to go to those same friends and those same people who are plugged into your lives and I want you to pick some people and work with them and get some receipts. Mm. And then I want you to do this over and over and over again. And you know what? Then people are going to start coming to you. Mm. They're going to say, I need you in front of my audience. I need you to speak in my community. I need you on this stage at this event. And then, bam, you're mm. a motivational speaker. Round of applause. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, my studio. Okay, cool. All right, cool, cool. All right, well, thank you. So I, I definitely want to wrap up, and I want you to, to get your questions ready, okay? I want you all to get your questions ready um, because this is where it actually happens. It's the real stuff. Mm -hmm. but, um, 
Uh, one, I appreciate all that you're doing. We good on our time? Okay. Um, I appreciate all that you're doing, especially just a motivator to me. Um, I would say, well, I don't know. This might be downgrading you. But I look at Donnie as like the female me kind of. That's just how I see it. There's nobody that can take an idea for the common person and help you in a few moments. You know what I mean? Like to impact you in a few moments and then be able to see all the stuff behind the question. So I think I'm good at that. And, you know, I look at you as the female me. Or I'm the male. Or he could be the male me. (laughs) If I'd have said it the other way, she'd have said or, like whatever way I said it. Or he's possibly the male me, right? Yeah, you're the female me, good. So <laughs> so um, I appreciate that. And uh, we're, we're going to entertain some questions from the crowd, but before we do that, I like to make predictions on the podcast, okay? I want to know what you see yourself accomplishing in the next five to ten years so that we can watch it five to ten years later and I could, I could pull up the receipts and say, oh, Donnie said she was going to do that. Years ago, look, I got the video. So, where, you, where do you see yourself? Five to mm. ten. So, in five to ten years, um, I see myself crazy millionaire. Crazy millionaire. Yeah, ab- a absolutely. crazy millionaire or not a, a crazy. A, I, I see myself in double digits as a millionaire, mm-hmm. um, but I see that being as a result of the hundreds of thousands of people that I have impacted across the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, in that period of time, I will be totally automated, meaning I will not be seeing one-on-one clients at all in that period of time. Um, I may have some masterminds. And when I say masterminds, I'm talking about annual salary to participate in mm-hmm. masterminds. Um, I will have in the next five years, I will have thousands of testimonials in these streets, like double-digit thousands of testimonials. You already have a whole, whole bunch. I have a lot of testimonials, but I will have double-digit thousands of testimonials, and you will hear my name attached to stories of people who have gone on to make millions of dollars, too, as someone who has had uh, a direct impact in helping that, pro- that process move along. Wow. Um, I will be living in the craziest of penthouses. Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely going to be at the very top. I'm already in the building, right? Mm-hmm. Now I just got to get to the penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, she's already at the, at the building. Just... I'm already in the building. Okay. Now I got to get... That, what is that difference? I mean, because I've never really been in like the penthouse or whatever. What is, like, what is the difference between top floor and mid floor? And how does that work? So the penthouse is like, the king or queen of the whole building. It's usually like a massive part of the whole floor, mm-hmm. right? So on the middle level, you know, kind of where I am, there's like mm-hmm, 16 units on that whole floor. Penthouse is probably going to be like four or five units mm. on that same size floor. And then you've got like upstairs, downstairs. It's, exclu- it's more exclusive. You've got a different level of service mm. afforded to you on the penthouse level. And so it has been a dream of mine to live in a penthouse. And I've not accomplished that. You know, we got to the high rise and that was manifested. Mm-hmm. I've told that story. <clears throat> and so... Tell the story. So my daughter used to, and I, uh, she used to love this show called Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And it was a show where a mother, a single mom, lived in a hotel with her two sons. She worked for the hotel. 
and they got to have all this exposure to all, you know, all these things that they wouldn't normally have exposure to. And one day my daughter said, mommy, I want to live in a hotel. And I said, I wouldn't mind living in a hotel. (laughs) Like that's dope. And literally that day I posted on in Facebook, it was February 2011, because I see this post often. I posted on Facebook, like, I wouldn't mind living in a hotel-like environment. And then I hashtagged it, Sweet Life of Donnie and Deja, mm-hmm. behind Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Sweet, S-U-I-T-E, right? And so in 2014, mm-hmm. I was managing the building that I live in now, and I abruptly quit that job. Mm. Abruptly. abruptly. Before somebody got, no. <laughs> <laughs> I abruptly quit that job and I not only moved myself into that building, but I also got a separate unit and moved my mom into that building. Oh. So it's the sweet life of Donnie, Denise, and Deja, wow. right? And still to this day. So it's been six years in that building. I manifested that. Every single year I saw it appear on Facebook and I knew like, I, you know, we don't live in a hotel, but our building is like a hotel. It looks yeah. like a hotel. We've got concierge and, you know, deliveries and services and yeah. and there's hotels all around me. And, and I live in the tallest building in Atlanta right now. So mm. I manifested that. And now um, for the last maybe two years, I have been manifesting the penthouse. So you guys hold me to that. I mean, I'll have that done before five years from now, but in five years when we follow up on that, I'll be able to tell you that the penthouse is something that I've been there and done that. Um, mm. I just got to live in the Even if it's just for like a year, I've got to have that feeling and experience. Yeah. So anyway, five years from now, um, I don't know if I'll still be in the penthouse, but I will be able to tell you that it was it was accomplished. Um, I will have impacted hundreds of thousands of people all Real over Real quick the on the penthouse, and maybe not your building, but give me an example of like... You know, like like Jay Z said, oh, what's the difference between a four point or a four point six, like thirty, forty grand, whatever. Like, what is the difference between like you can go into a building and say, okay, I want to be on the bottom floor, middle floor, high floor. What is typically like the difference? Price. Like what kind of range? Sometimes. He's so nosy. No, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely want to know because so in my building specific, I mean, price could vary, right? So there's. $13 million penthouses, probably $100 million penthouses. Um, I don't know. In Atlanta? I don't know. Uh, in my building, no. Um, you know, you could you could buy into my building in the high threes and like a small one-bedroom. Um, mm. Where I am is like a $700,000 condo. Mm. And then the penthouses are around... One to three million, I think, in my building. Yikes! So I want a penthouse for sure. Ooh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So you can always get in. It's easy to get into the building, but not to get to that. There's always there's levels. There's always levels. Are there like celebrities in your building? Like yo, several. Pit, I mean, like the penthouse. Oh, that's that's a penthouser right there. Yeah. Do you so know all, how many? What are like? There's how many forty-seven there? floors in my building. And I think there may be eight to ten penthouses. Do you know the people who got the penthouses? No, I mean, you know, people come and go. I know some people, right? Some people come and go. People come and go. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, they come and go. I mean, a penthouse is an experience. I don't know if it's even supposed to. 
I don't know if most people intend for it to be like this long-term living thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's just an experience. Like, you know, you're in the building, like I'm in the building and there's glass and all this stuff everywhere and it's gorgeous and the views are beautiful. But then the penthouse is like two or three stories and it's like glass and it's Mm. like space and views and butler's kitchens and... I just got to have it. <laughs> got to have it. I just I like got to have it. About that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, can we do a recording when you get to the penthouse? Absolutely. This, and I'll just pair it with this. this yeah. This I mean, yeah, I, I foresee that actually happening in the next two years. Mm. Um, for sure. My daughter, you know, right now, um, my daughter is in college and we're paying cash for that. So that's, you know, an expense that mm-hmm. I didn't have before. Mm. But every single time I cut that check, I'm like, I could really be in the penthouse if I did get college. We're going to the penthouse, Deja. Yeah, I mean, look, come on, like, college days? We could be in the penthouse <laughs> right now. Penthouse? What about the penthouse? <laughs> no, in all seriousness, so. Good, good. All right, let's 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 get a couple questions from um, our our entrepreneur friends, okay? We should have gone day. live and took business questions. That's what we should have done. Well, we're live. Hey. Live. What you got? Um, how do you get past the rejection? How do you get past the rejection? Um, so rejection is such an emotionally attached fear that I don't think people ever get past the fear of rejection, right? So you really just have to talk yourself through it and, and perform your way through it. Um, the way that I look at things now is I get excited mm-hmm. about the no's. Of course, I don't want no all day, but I know... As soon as you tell me no, the conversation is done. I don't have to keep going. And the more you work through the no's, the better you become at attracting the yeses, Mm. right? So if you know, like uh, what I like to do with salespeople who struggle with rejection, I'll have them figure out what their closing percentage is. Mm. So if you know that your closing percentage is 20%, right? Uh, Let's say you you, you got 100 calls to make this week. Well, the closer you get through those 80 no's, you know you got 20 yeses. Mm-hmm. You know you have. So the moment that you start to just realize, like, the faster I get through these no's, I get to my yes, rejection becomes easier. Um, and then knowing how to deal with people's objections, knowing that rejection isn't personal, right? It's just, it's usually because uh, you're not talking to the right person or you didn't communicate the value. Yeah. Either way... It's not, it's not personal. Yeah. I, and I would, um, I would say we all go through rejection, but for some reason, when it comes to building our dream or entrepreneurship, we add more weight to it. So you might ask your mom, can I go to my friend's house? And she says, no. What do you do? Come on, mom. Please. Come on. Look, so-and-so's over there. That scenario, you have no problem going through the rejection. You don't feel hurt. You just, you just continue to ask until your mom says... And knew before you asked that she was going to say no. You already knew. You already know what's up. You knew. That's why you went with your humble but voice. But you're going to ask anyway. That's why you washed all the dishes first, because you knew that first no was Yo, coming. that's a lesson. That's a, that's, that's a lesson. No, seriously, when you're talking about, when you're teaching rejections, you, you went to your harshest critic, the one who would say anything to you. She mm-hmm. might even pop you in your mouth, but you still had the confidence. To go to that person Mm -hmm. and ask a question, knowing you didn't clean your room, knowing your homework isn't finished, knowing you hadn't done a thing that she asked you to do, but you went to her and asked for for what you wanted anyway. Mm -hmm. So 
why wouldn't you implement that as a grown person or as a young person in your business? Go ask for it anyway. And her saying no, even if she meant it, what we understand about parents is no is always not right now. Mm -hmm. Right? No, you can't do it right now, but after you clean your room. No, you can't do it right now, but after you've done your homework, then the answer becomes, and even if it's not that day, no, but when you get off punishment. No, but when you have fulfilled whatever these parental prerequisites are, then you can do it. Same same mm-hmm. principle in yep. your business. And I want you to just continue to gather data, and it allows you to approach it with a, um, a more positive mindset. With every no, ask, why are you saying no? Like if someone says, well, I don't want you to be my videographer. Just ask, okay? Just so that I know for next time, why are you saying no? Mom, can I go to my friend's house? No. Just not being disrespectful. What's the reason? Just so that I'm aware. Because if it's something I can do, then we might turn that into a yes, right? So somebody came to the kiosk and uh, I asked them, would you like to buy a shirt? They say, no, not right now. And I said, well, why are you saying no? I say, well, um, I, I'm looking for something in the mall that goes with these shoes. I said, well, let me see the shoes. They say, okay, well, here's a picture of the shoes. I got a shirt for you. Let me see if this goes with your shoes. Because the reason you're saying no is because you're looking for something to go with these shoes, and you think I don't have anything to go with the shoes. But if I do have something to go with the shoes that you like, would you buy it? He's like, yeah, sure. I show him the shirt, he buys the shirt. I didn't just take the no. I'm gathering data. Ask a young lady, would you like to go to dinner with me? No. Okay, what is the reason? Eh, I just got out of a relationship. Okay, I understand that. Question. Um, I don't want to, I'm not trying to get you into another relationship. I just want to feed you. And you never know. Maybe I can give you some advice. I just got out of a relationship too. We might have a conversation. The young lady might say, okay, let's go. But we don't know why they're saying no. So it allows you to have a little more confidence as you approach it. If you're saying, whatever answer this is, if it's a yes, great. If it's no, I just want to find out why. Mm-hmm. Because you can carry that to other scenarios. And you need to track that data. Don't just get the data. Like, um, especially new entrepreneurs. Like, in my class, my, my students you literally have, uh, if they're doing sales calls, they have a sales call tracker, activity mm. tracker. And you That's have to put... coach to me. <laughs> You have to put the outcome of your call and the reason for it. So if someone says, well, no, I'm not interested in joining your coaching program, you don't say, okay, well, you know, have a good day. It's no problem. Just kind of walk me through why, right? Mm -hmm. And it could be that um, they say, well, it's the price for me. Okay, well, I'll offer payment arrangements. Would that be helpful for you, right? Um, It could be that it's not the right program for them. Well, I really didn't see the value in this. Well, if you don't mind me asking, like when you say you don't feel the see the value, what would be valuable to you, mm-hmm. right? And so then you take that feedback and you make iterations, meaning you say, okay, this feedback is relative, mm-hmm. this or this feedback is is relative to to my program, or this is not. And you take the feedback that's not. You don't worry about that. You were just talking to the wrong person. But the feedback that you can actually make some adjustments on, right? Well. I'm noticing that 50% of the people that I talk to say that my price is too high. Mm -hmm. They're only saying that because I either didn't thoroughly communicate the value or 
Maybe the price is too high. Maybe the price is too high. Maybe I need to do a different barrier of entry. Hmm. Now that the price is too high, maybe instead of $3,000 for my program, maybe I'll do $500 a month for the next six months. Mm -hmm. Does that make a difference? Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. You get one and we're going to get out of here. All right. Uh, First of all, thank you for so much information. Love the story. My question is, as a young man who's 25 years old, who's a expired entrepreneur and more, uh, I know that when people ask me questions like, where are you from? And tell me about yourself. I'm that type of person that's going to give you everything so you can understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I would tell my mom, and my mom would like, be careful what you say. You don't want to tell them everything. I'm like, Mom, I need. I want to tell them about my life. I want to tell them about my story mm-hmm. so they can see that I'm so passionate. So can you give me some advice and tell me if I'm doing something wrong or should I say this? So that's my question. What is the best way to deliver your story? Okay, I'm going to be really trying. Let's tra- re- reiterate it just in case they didn't hear. Okay, so basically you're saying you meet people. And they will ask you where you're from and what you do. And then you get into this space where you want to tell them everything and just tell them your whole life story so they can understand all that you're about and why you're doing what you're doing. And your mom has been saying, pull back a little. Don't do too much. I'm with mom. Let me just tell you this. How you doing? Well, I'm good. I don't really care. You don't care how I'm doing. I don't. I mean, I care how you're doing because you're my friend, but if we were passing, how you doing? Right? How many times do you actually ask that question and expect for someone to spill it all? Mm. You, you don't? Yeah. Hey, how are you today? Well, you know what? It, thank you for asking. I'm, I, I just so happen to be having a really terrible day. This happened this morning. Uh, this happened this morning. This happened whoa, last Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? I was just being courteous. I was just saying, hey, <laughs> right? What's going on with you? Hey, what's been up with you? Oh, my God. Let me tell you about this dude who, oh, and then this and then that. Oh, and Deja's in school and she's doing really well. I got this shrimp thawing out in my, fris- my freezer, though, and I got to get home. <laughs> he don't, he didn't, he checked out, right? And in fact, not only did he check out, he's subconsciously having other thoughts about why is she telling me her whole life? So, so he doesn't even hear what I'm saying anymore. So I say this to say, and this is good for everybody because we get this. We talked about event courtesy before. Mm-hmm. You got a whole book about it, right? Um, when people ask you, where are you from? They just want to know where you're from. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. That's it. But my mom is from Indiana. And my, Nope, nope. You're from Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. right? And then they say, well, tell me about what you do. I want you to come up with like a 30 to 60 second, maybe 30 to 90 second. This is what I do. And this is what you tell every single person every single time. Mm. Okay. Template. And the reason that you want that is because quite honestly, people check out after the first 20 seconds. After you've asked them or after you start talking to them, you got 20 seconds to capture their attention before they subconsciously decide to check out and start thinking about what they're having for dinner later, or, hmm, I like what this young man is saying, let me keep listening, right? So when you create your, what I call, message statement, you've got 30 to 90 seconds. In that first 45 seconds, that first 20 to 45 seconds, you want to say the value that you give first. 
Nobody cares that you're the CEO of Sleep is for Suckers, right? I motivate entrepreneurs through catchy slogans on fashion, on men's fashion, on women's fashion, or whatever, right? Nobody cares that you're the CEO of this or the founder of that, and you got, oh, I have this nonprofit. Nobody cares about that. Mm-hmm. In the first 20 to 45 seconds, deliver the value. Well, I help women transition from, you know, uh, feeling lost as mothers, and, or I help moms, you know, transition from the, the, the mom guild of being a mom to being women who are, uh, you know, fully present in their lives and going after dreams and goals. Hmm. Buy one-on-one coaching or programs or this, that, and the other. And the reason you want to do that is because you want people to be intrigued by the value first, and then you tell them the the vehicle later. That's it. They don't care about. Then what's going to happen is they're going to say, wow, that's a really, really nice mission. Tell me a little bit about what made you do that. Now they're asking for more. Now they're asking, and you answer them for whatever they asked for. You don't go off on these other tangents. Just answer the question. Specifically what they asked for. That's good. All right. Well, listen, I, I think you got, got you guys got enough value from this interview. Um, thank you so much, Donnie. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I want you to let everybody know how to find you, um, how they can uh, employ your services. Is it employ or e- deploy? Employ. I said it right. Mm-hmm. So you guys can find me on Instagram. Donnie Wiggins, D-O-N-N-I-W-I-G-G-I-N-S underscore. Uh, you can join me there. You can also visit my website, DonnieWiggins.com. Um, or, it, you know, if you need coaching, if you want to buy my book, if you need some empowerment and motivation, if you, are a, if you are a person who's new to entrepreneurship and you really need to get your stuff together and you're looking to have a strategy call with me to figure out how I can help you, you can also go to sixfigureaccelerateredu.com. Mm, six, six or S-I? S-I-X, figure, accelerator, edu.com. Do I need to spell that? I mean, look I always it get up. the E-C or the A, no, it's okay. A-C-C. It's six, S-I-X, F-I-G-U-R-E. I know that one. Edu.com. You sure it's not L A? David. All right. Make Six sure you your accelerator. Like the accelerator that you push to go faster and go farther. That's me. Make sure y'all follow Ms. Donnie Wiggins. It will be a pleasure. Okay. And we're going to do some more. Y'all just going to see her more regularly on the podcast. What we have to do next time, though, like, you know, David likes to pull me back into these spaces where uh, I'm talking journey, right? And what I've, what I've accomplished, but what I want to do next time mm-hmm. is, re- you know, I know that this empowers people and it inspires you guys to get up and do something, but I want to start. What you want to do on my podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Just, just what I want to do next time on your platform um, is really give people something of value that they're going to go out and produce and have receipts for. I don't want people just like, oh my God, that was powerful. Oh my God, that hit home. Like, what you going to do? Mm-hmm. Let's give you some practical Steps. One, two, three, four, five on how to achieve a thing in your business. Let's do it. Go for it. Give me one of your formulas. Okay, just (laughs) as we close. Give me one of your formulas that they could take with you right now. For what? I don't know. Just give me one of your formulas. I mean, just so generic. So my results formula. Really simple, but this isn't even, you know, really what I was talking about. 
Um, <laughs> my results formula or uh, productivity formula. So a lot of people don't get the results that they want because they lack in two areas, two major areas, belief and action. And so I believe that you must raise the bar, your B-A-R. So your belief plus your action is going to equal your results. So if you're struggling to get the results that you want to have, I want you to really, really, really sit with yourself and think, is it my belief or is it my action, right? It can only be one of these two things. I don't care what you tell me it's because of, it's all going to translate back to one of those two things. Belief plus action equals your results every single time. Mm, That was good. Raise the bar. I love it. Uh, Yes, you will see Donnie. Wiggins more. We're going to jump in the uh, studio next time, though, the podcast. We want, like, I, I just want, like, another segment-type joint. And um, as long as Donnie comes, like, the time we're supposed to come, we're going to be straight. I okay, thought we sure. were going to be in the pretty room with the good lighting. Like, I put on my pretty this blue is dress. Awesome lighting. Is this not awesome lighting? Well, no, this is awesome lighting, but I wanted that special sauce lighting. We do, this is the specialist sauce I got. Is this going to look like that? No, it's going to be different. Well, actually, I'll show you what we're going to do. Okay. And then, yeah, I got, I got a whole vision. He got this set, and I put on my dress because the dress really would look nice in that setting, right? And then... Yeah, okay. You know what? So maybe this is turning into the Dottie Wiggins show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she just got to adjust my whole... See? There you go, coaching. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we are out here. If you've reached the end of the show, thanks so much for listening. We value your time, and that's why we want to give you the best-sounding, best-produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10-year voiceover artist, narrator, and production specialist that wants to see only the best life-giving, equipping, and long-lasting content be produced to help others. So, if you have commercial, video editing, or other production needs, i love to talk with you. That's right. Visit DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice or on Facebook.com forward slash Donald.TheVoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.